Hello. Hello. It's Alex here. And Kiki. On this episode, we're getting our hands dirty in the name of new musical theatre. Rebecca Simmons and Jack Miles join us to talk about crafting in clay. We talk about the pros and cons of self-producing alongside writing a new musical. And the importance of reaching out and throwing yourself into fulfilling creative partnerships. Welcome to Making Making a a Musical, musical, the the future of of British British musical musical theatre. For this episode of season four, we are joined by Rebecca Simmons and Jack Miles. Uh, Rebecca is the book and lyrics and producer, and Jack is music and lyrics and producer of In Clay. How Woo! exciting to have a team that's writing and producing. Mm. So um, first of all, how did you guys come together as a team? I um, was a little bit later to writing musical theatre. I directed a lot at university and then I took a very boring finance job for a couple of years Mm. and went and did the course at Goldsmiths to kind of get back into the swing of things. And as I was coming out, I was looking for collaborators and a very good friend of mine, I remember it very clearly, in the Gales in Balham, played me one of Jack's songs from St Anne Comes Home. Uh, And I was like, this guy's really got something. I'm going to reach out to him. Um, and so I sent you quite a rogue email um, about what two and a half years ago now? Like, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Just saying, hey, just finished Goldsmiths. What a wild ride that was. Um, and we jumped on a call and just started chatting about this project, which I mean. Yeah, we kind of had, um, there, was a, there, was, there was an application for something. Um, and we kind of we were like, mm. what what can we we need we should oh, yeah. put something in for this submission, and um, we didn't get it. Uh, um, but <laughs> uh, you know, we were like, oh, this we should actually keep writing this because it's uh, it, we feel like it's got some legs. Deadlines are really helpful, aren't they? So good. Those mm. those things just help you to focus the mind. Yeah. Um, is is that have you found that with the journey for in clay? Because there's been several iterations, haven't there, so far? So, so tell us a bit more about those. Yeah, we've actually never done any R and D for this show, which is quite wild since we've been writing it for the last two years. But essentially, after that deadline came around, we were like, okay, let's put a date in here. Actually, um, at the downstairs at the other palace um, to do kind of a first workshop, and it was quite punchy. I remember us just kind of going for it. Um, there was a lot of ground to cover in a very yeah, short and we, space of time. We had like four songs or something. So it was very much like, look, put it in, let's put it up, see what happens. And so we did an hour here, um, like a closed reading. And then we did an hour in the studio in the new Wimbledon theatre as well. Um, and that was kind of the moment where we were like, oh, OK, maybe we have something here. Like it's all kind of coming together in um, my Uh, Ros Ford is a very good friend of mine. I've known her for like a decade now, which is wild. Um, And we, she very kindly agreed to come and do that. And I think particularly just having someone of that caliber just suddenly read your words um, and having an audience respond to it was like, okay, let's, let's look to the next thing. And then you had the idea about having a crack at vaults festival. I think it's, I think deadlines are are so, so important. I love a deadline. I'm also quite slow. And so it's nice to have that uh, to write to. You're no stranger to the podcast. Obviously, you've been on. You're sick of me. I would never <laughs> be sick of you. No, but you were on when we we had it as all that scratch. But both of those shows, you worked 
by yourself. I did. So um, how has it been you now kind of switching into a collaborative mo- model? <laughs> and I guess what was your reaction to receiving a rogue email? Well, it's nice. I think it's... Uh, it was mid pandemic. So you, you, you know, you got to remember everyone was feeling quite lonely mm. um, and it was a bit of a struggle. Um, and so it was nice to have, Oh, let's, I'll have a, I'll just have a nice chat about, you know, um, I have no real wisdom to share. I don't know what you're looking for, but I don't really think I'm the person that you should be talking to. Um, but it was just nice, just nice to chat. And, um, you know, like you say, I've not, I hadn't collaborated properly before. Um, uh, and I think that's because I hadn't found the right type of person. Um, I am, I'm, I'm quite, uh, neurotic about what I'm doing. <laughs> and when I work, I work in solitude and I, you know, I don't want to be, um, uh, it's very, uh, like just me in a room. Um, but, um, we had a look at it yesterday. The very first thing that I sent Becca to do with this show from that, from what my idea of this show was, um, to when Becca got involved and it became what it is now, it's it's so different mm. and it's so much better. Um, <laughs> and I think it's seeing those individual lines bounce off an audience that, you know, because it's this is my music, but it's it's uh, this new element of <laughs> um, somebody else's lines and some of the best lines in the show, you know, are. Rebecca's lines um and uh it it elevates the whole project um you know collaborating I think also partly because of the pandemic this is the between us this is the most time we've spent on just the story like the dramaturgy we knew basically every song what it was supposed to do we talked through it at length for about six months before we even started writing which I mean I never so do. good, <laughs> so useful, um, which meant that we actually haven't done too much kind of moving around. And I think that's part of the reason that now is the first time we're properly doing some R&D mm. because we really put in that time at the beginning, um, which has been really, I, mean, I think, yeah. yeah, really good also as a process to like get to know each other as well, because mm. it's the first time you're writing with someone, um, both of you being really clear on, okay, what is the like, a to B of this song and where does it fit um, within so tell the story? Us, so tell us a little bit about the show and where where did the inspiration of the story come from? Um, I got really into Gypsy Jazz, Jazz Manouche, <laughs> um, during lockdown, like really into it. Um, uh, you know, that's what I spent every night, you know, watching videos of just sort of three-piece bands. Um, and it's such a, a vibrant and curious and ever-changing kind of uh live experience um genre of music um it has it had such um sort of dramatic potential and so that's where I started I was like I'm gonna write a show where that is the style of music and there was a particular breakdown in a in a song by an artist called um Serial Amy um and it kind of it goes from uh, this sort of vibrant chorus down and it's just a bass line and she's she's humming and she's sort of doing jazz cat singing and then it builds and then other elements come in and then you know a minute later you're in this this completely crazy um uh blues you know fury and it's um it was such a 
uh, <laughs> a bit of like a journey for me. Um, and it just felt like something was being created. And I just had an image of somebody making something as they were singing and, and this, as the music built, the thing, the thing grew. Um, and, uh, pottery, <laughs> Um, uh, sort of came in, I went away and looked for a, uh, looked for a story that would fit that sort of narrative. And I sort of struck upon this, um, this woman who in the annals of history, she's relatively unremarkable. She, you know, never really, like she was surrounded by people who achieved things, but she never really achieved masses in herself. Um, and you know, you can chart the um the the progress of her contemporaries but there's such a small amount about her um and you know her work isn't particularly remarkable either um it's, that's the quite funny thing you go see the yeah. show and you're like we've made this amazing show about this artist and then you google her work and you're like right okay <laughs> you know com compared to compared to the other people that were sort of producing similar yeah. stuff at the time um she her work it, it it was never it was never particularly uh you know experimental it was always a bit uh f fine seven out of ten you know um and i think that the idea of making something because you love it rather than for recognition i think that was so resonant during the pandemic mm. because you know um I we try and build a career and then along comes a, a pandemic and you don't know what you're going to come back to. Um, and so it was a comfort thing, really, um, before anything else. Something that struck me, I was lucky enough to see the concert here at the other palace a few weeks ago. And something that struck me so strongly was how universal that concept is, because even whether you're a professional artist or if you're just a hobbyist or you just like to create art to relax, there's something in this show for you to identify with. And that's an incredibly universal sentiment. And I, and I wonder if it's one, it's sort of summed up in the first song that we're going to hear, uh, which is talent. So tell us a bit about talent and how that fits into the show. Talent, um, it, it's the second song in the show. It's essentially Marie's I Am song um, in a lot of ways. Um, it charts uh, the story of her first being um, picked out from a crowd of kids as a child um, by um, this chap that then becomes kind of her mentor in the story called um, Jean-Charles Cazin. Um, and it's her moment of like, oh my gosh, I'm a genius. I'm a career. I'm going to be the biggest artist in the world. But she's still a child. She's still a child. Point. Yeah, she's, she's a child throughout um, this song, essentially. Um, and, and charts her, you know, going to her parents and pleading for money because she's the next big thing. Um, and then, you know, day one of the classes, realizing that there's all these other kids that have talent as well. And she's just one of the masses um, in this very, like, um, really cute moment um at the end of the song um and yeah it's i think it's the first song we wrote it was the kind of proof of concept in a lot of ways that we could work together and also that we um 
that this style worked and with musical theater and we're still writing it two and a half years on um, yes. there's one line that we're not happy with <laughs> um, um that we're still kind of tweaking um because it's up for the styles and Drew best song because i've been invited you see jean charles had walked into my life without warning at a time when i was completely unprepared it was an ordinary day the class were doodling away and then we welcome in this man who's there to find the next Suzanne to my surprise he took one look across the table at my book he held it up for all to see and with a smile he said to me you've got the talent the like I've never seen before the fact is with down the street I'm telling everyone I need that they can have my autograph I'm even smiling when they laugh though they can set up a career the weekly class is pretty dear so I take my parents by the hand so they fully understand I've got the talent see I've been told I will go far rise faster I'm there day one, so keen to start. <laughs> Anticipation of the chart. So, uh, then through the door to spoil the bliss. Come other children. What is this? Some set up easels, some sketch away. For them, it's just another day. And when they talk, I realize the same excitement in their Talent. Oh, what a thing to misconstrue. 
So that was the sublime Alex Young performing Talent in Concert. Huge congratulations. You are a finalist for the Stars and Drew Prize for Best New Song whoop, whoop. with Thank Talent. You so much. <sighs> How does it feel um, to have that song in the final and also for it to be sung in concert by Alex Young? It's really nice because we spent so long on it. <laughs> We spent so long, like, you know, we obviously, we're still, we're still working on it. Those, those, uh, those compound rhymes and the end of the, the middle and the end of the courses are so difficult. Okay. Let's get really geeky. Yeah. What's a compound rhyme? So, uh, my favorite is rise faster, right past the grandmaster Renoir. So you have those, there's three of them and both, um, syllables rhyme with their you know, their pair. Um, and it is really hard to do (laughs) (laughs) and make it work with the story, Uh. um, very fast as well. Um, and the, the thing with, um, these kind of lyrics is you want to stack them. So the really good ones come at the end, but, um, we came up with that, that lyric in particular, um, pretty early on and it comes at the end of the song. So we were like, right now we've set ourselves the gauntlet of having to make every single verse have something that is of the same standard, which um, two and a half years on, we're still working on. <laughs> so tell us about which one are you still working on? Can you take us right into the minutiae of your process writing together? It's the, a few francs from you thanks is all I need to make me start. And that that's nice, but it's only two. Mm. And we kind of, you know, we styled it off as um it's, it's it makes sense and i might it might even be it comes back to our lack of workshopping because i think we put it in there because we were like we've got to perform this really soon um, yeah yeah so, so let's just put that in for now and it's just been in there ever since um and so we're going to crack that for november and um, in the feedback from styles and drew they picked it out <laughs> That's they so said you haven't stacked your rhymes properly and this one is weaker, uh, which is great, you know, because it's like we've spent a whole, you know, day a couple of weeks ago just running through and being like, OK, which one which ones of these lyrics are 60 percent good and which ones of these are 90 percent. And we've set ourselves we're going to try and do perfect rhymes throughout just because it's the style and we've managed to do that in most of the songs. Um, and so it was a good reminder of um having that discipline and holding yourself to that kind of standard how do you critique your own work because there's there's somebody more famous and knowledgeable than me i think said writing is rewriting and how does that work for you you know do you just have a feeling in your stomach you just know that's not quite right it could be a bit better do you have a is it an eggy feeling every time you hear it I think what's so interesting about writing musical theatre for someone else is often you're critiquing each other's work and your yes, own work at the same that's time. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> and um, the more you work together, the better you get at being like, you know, this isn't good enough, right? 
you know, and I think we've got. And to it's still devastating every yeah, time we every time we hear it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, a shot to the heart. Yeah, no, it really is because you poured your heart and soul into these lyrics, and then you know that they're not quite right. But you're like, I think this is better than the last batch, and yeah. So I think there's that, and um, it just takes time to build that trust and to be able to um, deliver that in the right way, um, and be in a position to kind of take that on and be like, yeah, you're right. This is like a I find percentages really help, but this is a 60% lyric and we want 100% here. Um, <laughs> I think as you um, start to piece together an entire show, you get more of a sense of how economical you have to be on every line. And so by that point, and we're kind of in that process, I'd say at the moment of, of going back and thinking like, really is this as much storytelling as we can get into this line by line, um, which I think is a really good process um to go through and i think it's very obvious by that point often we we pick out the same like if i think about that conversation we picked out all the same parts that yeah. were like you know this first doesn't quite do enough um when we've only got you know we're, we're doing about an hour and a hour and 25 an hour and 20 all through so it really is a lot to get through mm. in a very short amount of time and it's a one woman musical yeah as well so there's a lot riding on that performance with all of those little sections of writing and detail and wonderful kind of atmosphere that, that adds to the complexity of the picture. So you have talked about trust and being a relatively new writing team. If you were to distill that, how would you say one gains trust from a new writing partner? It's practice, isn't it? It's doing it again and again and again. Um, I mean, I still have no discernible idea when I send you a draft of a lyric, whether you're going to love it or hate it. Really? Um, yeah, I still have no, I have no intuition on that. Um, wow. Because I've sent you things that I've thought were not quite right, just when you thought. I wasn't convinced that that was quite right. And then you were, I, just I got a very ecstatic voice note. <laughs> I, was, um, I was also... <laughs> I wrote a lot of the script for this on the plane to Dubai and I touched down in Dubai and it was like really late English time. I was unbelievably jet lagged and um, I got sent this song and I was just like delirious and it was fantastic. So uh, genuinely, I reckon if I listened to that voice note, it would be very strange. <laughs> <laughs> it's developing the the ability to not be wounded by when someone says something uh, negative um, constructive or otherwise about the thing that you have spent some days on. Um, because I think detaching yourself from what you're writing is so important because, uh, you know, you need to be, uh, emotionally connected to it, to write it, but then, um, you must peel yourself away. Um, because otherwise, you know, it's about furthering the art. It's not about your own pride it's about making the best thing you can with this other person and i think i think once you've got a couple of songs or a foundation for a show where you're like we're both really proud of that you know that is yeah. of a certain quality yeah. that we are kind of ecstatic about when something doesn't reach that standard it's a lot easier to be like we know it's not quite there mm. um it's getting there or it feels like it's closer uh but I think that just innately becomes easier because you kind of understand 
where you're heading or the direction you're going in. Do you remember the moment that you thought that this partnership was good? Because I do. Do you remember? Do you have one? No. Ooh. That's, no. I have a moment. It's exciting, it was, it guys. Was the, it, no, but it was news. the exact same talent line that I just mentioned. It was the Renoir line. Oh, yeah. It was when you put that in the draft, I was like, that is so <laughs> good. That is such a good line. It works perfectly in the context of the song. And it, 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 it just sings better. You know, I drafted a whole a whole lyric of this song before. Uh, and and it, none, none of that came close to this one line. And it was a really nice bar because I was constantly like, I've written this line. Well, it's not as good as this line, though, is it? So it's, it's, it's you know, it's uh, I'm the standard is high and I have to be, I have to match that every single, with every single line that we put into the song. I actually do have one now. Um, Jack did an incredible um, concert at the Actors Church uh, a while ago now. It was like coming out of lockdown and we just really started working together. We had talent and that's it. He didn't tell me he was going to play talent. And so I was sitting there (laughs) listening to all of his stuff like, oh, this is so interesting because you can see like, it's you, when when it's a Jack Miles song, you know it's a Jack Miles song. Mm-hmm. And then he starts playing this song, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is our song!" And then just hearing like, a, it was so different to the rest of your yeah. stuff, like just so different, night and day. Um, and uh, just like the audience's reactions to the jokes landed, even though you know it wasn't perfect, and some of it didn't quite start scan right. Uh, um, it was just like, a, oh, okay, we're onto something here, um, which was. It's so exciting and you need, it's such a hard thing to do to write a show and like stick with it and really like grind away week to week and having those moments of like, oh yeah, this could be something really great. I think you need need that to kind of keep going a lot of the time. I remember that concert and it was a really you lovely did. moment. Yes, oh I, I was also in the audience. And what was lovely to hear was that <clears throat> Jack, I mean, we've known each other for a few years now. Um, and to see you develop as a writer and then to have that kind of back catalogue of beautiful, yeah. funny, warm songs um, to come out of COVID and to be out on a kind of cold winter's night mm. in the church with loads of other people watching a whole evening of new musical theatre. It was such a beautiful night. And I know that everybody else was feeling that in the audience too. So you alluded there to the fact that the gypsy jazz styling, it's quite different to some of your previous work. Has that been a challenge for you in terms of learning to write with that different style in mind? Um, or has that come quite easily? It's fascinating. I love to, I like to challenge myself and and try and do, you know, go down different avenues every time I write a different show. Um, the, I mean, the other shows I've had on this podcast have been wildly different mm. in, their, in their musical genre. Um, this one is fascinating because it's it's way more nerdy um, than <laughs> than any other style of music that I've tried to write in before. In that the way that you manufacture the chords, the way um, uh, the strumming patterns you have to use, it's much more rhythmic than a lot of other styles of music um, that I've that I've written in. Um, and I I love getting into a deep YouTube hole of mm. you know watching video after video of um different masters of this inst- of um, the sort of the classical guitar um uh you know do their thing um 
it's it's been it's been it's been fantastic. I, uh, my problem now is that I am looking at writing other things, and I'm using chords that are in this genre that I'm now having trouble breaking away from this genre <laughs> because the 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 flavors that certain chords um, bring out uh, are so unique sounding to this um, genre, and so I'm trying to peel myself away um, to write anything else. Perhaps something that our audience can listen to uh, as we as we head towards the next song um, from the show that we're going to play uh, is a sense that I get when I listen to this show, which is you can close your eyes and immediately you could be in Paris with people mm-hmm. kind of wandering past along the Seine. You're in the sun. You know, it just feels like it transports you there. So maybe close your eyes as you listen to Spark. Um, tell us a bit about Spark and how it sets in the show. Spark is uh, the very first time that Marie makes a pot. It's that sort of moment where she realises that clay is her medium. It's the medium that she wants to um, make art with after sort of being at um, Jean Charles's uh, school for uh, a few years. Um, And it's sexy particularly Danny Stewart singing it's it. I mean, I think we were all sexier like sexier than we were expecting it to be. Um, but it's, I suppose, you know, it's, it's the ghost thing. I was about to say pottery is sexy. Okay? Get pottery your hands is kind of sexy. Um, and uh, it's, you know, it, but it's, it's supposed to be about this uh, really, it's, it's a very pure connection between um, this person and this little lump of clay. Spark 
rotating round with every turn. One sudden spark is what the whole thing's all about. Is what you make's already there. All that you do is bring it out out of the spark. Dive in, or sketch a little in your hand. It could take days or weeks or months This now, the clay is everything you need Design and canvas all at once Look close, if there's a mark upon the grain That you stare at with disdain Then you can always start again Sediment is never pure That's the unparalleled alone To like the spark So many pieces play their part The rock in time becomes the earth Then the earth becomes the earth A little spark What do you create should be sublime For all the years it took to fall It should be
I think what that song demonstrates um, is that Matt Herbert is a genius. Yes. Um, the that is actually such a good example of uh, the level uh, of um, uh, complexity in some of these orchestrations. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we we were just talking about how fun it is to watch musicians when they're playing um, music, um, but I've found that with Matt's orchestrations. The parts are challenging, but they are fun for the musicians to play. And because of that, they engage with them and they they want to master the highs and lows of, of the part. Uh, and it brings out, it just brings out this whole new life in, in the music because of the uh, orchestrations. Um, and, you know that's just one of the flavors that he has in his arsenal mm. matt it's 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 incredible it's some of the, the some of the yeah. most um enjoyable uh, collaborative moments of my life are at 2 a.m with him frantically orchestrating in his bedroom and then I, we're on whatsapp and i'm listening to them and i'm just nodding and that's that's the best time that's just the best also, from my perspective, last year, I'd just be like, get these songs fully done at random points. You know, I'd be like walking home and suddenly it's the, you know, the orchestration for that song. And you're like, holy, what? Like, that's how this is going to sound like. And it's just it's like this incredible present that you're just like handed at random points in your day. And it's just, yeah, he's so he's so it's only brilliant. Four, it's, four, it's just four musicians. You yeah. know what he can do with four musicians. It's just lovely. So let's rewind, because I think we've alluded to this throughout our conversation, i.e. the journey of the piece to date. And we've mentioned doing workshops down in the studio where we are now and at New Wimbledon Studios. And then we briefly mentioned vaults and then a concert here and then future life, which is confirmed. Let's take it back to the beginning. Break it down for us. What has that like slow growing process of the musical looked like? So here we had an hour's worth of material. Um, It was very clear that two of the songs needed to go instantly. We actually both just went, we will never listen to those again. We'll perform them tonight and then Yeah, they'll be done. So we had a couple of rewrites and then we had a couple of parts of the story that we wanted to explore. And the main thing was... um, the show is essentially um, our protagonist, Marie, is sitting in her kitchen um, later in life, um, waiting for the arrival of her um, kind of best friend, childhood uh, friend, but they're estranged. They haven't seen each other in a couple of years. And they met at art school and they've had kind of concurrent careers um, as artists, but her friend Henrietta always was the more successful and kind of bested her at every turn and then for a number of different reasons um they um their friendship slightly falls apart and so that kind of that's the inciting incident she's coming and it's in real time she's coming in an hour and a half um so a knock at the door at the end is um her arrival um and we had just not spent enough time on the Henrietta character and the relationship even though that was kind of the the way into the story and so it was about kind of tracking that back and thinking about where we can um delve into that and explore and expand and um it's led to actually 
one of my favorite songs um in the in the whole thing where matt got to do a lot more of his kind of classic mt um orchestration um as well and so the big that was the big change coming up to the vaults festival was kind of adding that in and then we've done a bit more of that subsequently actually um added another song and we're going to rewrite the beginning um to, to for it to be a lot more focused on that relationship so i think that's kind of dramaturgically um the development um when we got to the vaults the vaults has to be an hour long and they're very I and mean, for anyone that's done fringe theater it's very down to the minute that you kind of have to make sure it tracks um so which is difficult when you've got a show that uh has all sorts of pots <laughs> involved and um letters and props and you know eventually when we do it um you alluded to future life uh when we do it next year um we're gonna have uh you know, the throwing of a pot on stage and smashing and all sorts of, I don't want to give away too much, but um, all sorts of quite exciting things that hopefully we haven't really seen before um, in a musical. So the actor is actually going to make a pot live on stage? During Spark. Yes, during the song you just heard. Wow. That's going to be iconic. I hope so. It's going to be complicated. (laughs) (laughs) We're doing a whole day of R&D in November just on that because, and also we're, um, the actress is going to have to have lessons, right? And how to throw and throw under that kind of pressure. And and then we're going to give the pots away to an audience member. Wow. Dibs. (laughs) (laughs) So I saw the run at the vaults, which was phenomenal. And it was a standout at the vaults for me. And I think a true testament to show how it can work and succeed. So the vaults happens. And I presume positive conversations happen at that point. Now, were were you producing yourself at the vaults? Yes. Talk a little bit about that, because I think you know, one of the questions, you know, writers are always asking is, how can I get my work on stage? Really good question. Self-producing is definitely an avenue. Sum it up. How how was it for you? We had conversations in the sort of three or four months before Vaults where we were kind of, we wanted a producer involved because it takes, you know, we want to focus on the the writing of it, Um, like ideally. Um, And we, we chatted about it and we spoke to some people when we did our, you know, direct call out, we we spoke to some people who had producing experience, so maybe they could do a sort of dual role as well. But we we just kind of we didn't f- we didn't sort of strike on the right person, mm. um, and and then we it got sort of where it was a point where it's kind of too late really to approach anybody, and we were, you know, we looked at each other and we sort of, we we can do this, and it kind of enables us to, you know, do a whole artist led thing where it's not necessarily about um the money uh adding up it's we're going to focus on the quality of the show first and then we'll worry about the budget second which is you know you speak to any producer they're like that's just not (laughs) the way you should do it Uh, and it's it's not really but um you know you can't help but when you love something like this be like you know yeah we could probably do that that'd be fine we'll make we'll make that work um 
I think we also have um, quite complementary skill sets as well. Like I, I've done a lot of fringe theatre. I used to direct a lot of the Edinburgh Fringe and I've kind of produced bits before. And I am quite, because of my day job, quite comfortable with like contracts and things like that. And then, you know, Jack is able to produce like incredible social media assets and run a, um, you know, the, the marketing campaigns and stuff. So there was like quite a, I don't think we ever sat down and said, this is what we're going to do. But that there was quite an obvious division of, it, yeah, yeah um, labor on that front. Um, and then we should probably also shout, shout out Grace Taylor, um, our director for, um, who's been with us the whole journey. She's just like unbelievably amazing at putting things up. You know, that's, she's like the go-to person you go and ask to put up a new musical of this kind of um uh, magnitude and having someone like her just there to be like yes we should be doing this or we should be thinking about this for this kind of stage of development was um amazing as well and I think we developed such a it's the same with like you and Matt isn't it we just have such a quick like easy shorthand with mm. her now which is just um so useful to have someone and like then that I presume the out of the vaults came the future life conversations yeah. or did that come later yeah so i um as part of my marketing strategy which was carefully planned indeed and yes. not at all just <laughs> everything and all of the things i could think about um i uh did some posts on reddit of all places um and uh one of the people who came because there were a number of people who booked tickets as a result. They, I asked them to come on the internet and they came. <laughs> what a weird life. Who would have thought Reddit um, was the way in? Uh, one of them uh, just happened to be the incoming AD of the gay house. Um, and uh, we had some, you know, he messaged me afterwards. We'd love to have a, have a chat with you. And um, we had, I went up and, chat to them just to you got to suss people out it's very important to suss people out isn't it um uh and was a bit surprised with how good everything sounded you know this whole vision that they've got where they want to be artist-led they want to do new stuff they want you know they want to give you a good uh a good a good deal <laughs> um the kind of things that uh you've got to be wary of when you're, you know, getting involved with venues and things and producers. And, um, and then we all went, didn't we, the four of us. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I just, it's such a fruitful conversation and, you know, Isaac, um, and Anne Louise, they're just, uh, they, they're yes people, you know, they say, oh yeah, we can, we, we'll, we'll find a way to make that work, which is the exact same logic that we applied to the vaults. Mm. Um, and you know they'll they in so it's a co-production but it, it they'll have much more strict control of the, the budget <laughs> so um everything will um, balance up but um yeah it's it's sort of the dream the dream partnership i think also for them they're redeveloping the whole upstairs so um for those of um you who have been to the gatehouse before there's a, a strange upstairs room adjacent to the theater with a sea of faces of people that have um been in um any kind of uh performance there previously and they're redeveloping that into an upstairs bar um and part of our idea about this next production is it's going to be a bit kind of immersive there's going to be an exhibition in that space and the lines blurring the lines between where 
the exhibition ends and the stage starts. We're going to do a pre-show with some gypsy jazz. So it's a really great way of showing off that kind of redevelopment that's going on now. I think we're the second show that goes in after that as well. So I think it happened to fit really well with kind of their vision um, of that kind of elevated um, space um, that they're working towards. That sounds like it's going to be an incredible production. Uh, and it, I will look forward to visiting the venue. I, I've never been before. Oh, really? So it's wow. a wonderful excuse to I have come been. to the venue. And I can't wait to see what they're going to do <laughs> in this redevelopment. Plug the show. When is it? How can people buy tickets? So In Clay runs for four weeks uh, from the 13th of March uh, to the 7th of April upstairs at the gatehouse. Well, we're really excited. It has been an honor to be a very, very small part of this show's development thus far. And I can't wait to watch someone throw a pot on stage and sing a song at the same time. No pressure. <laughs> Making a Musical is produced and hosted by Alex Jackson and Kiki Stevenson for The Other Palace. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe and rate the podcast wherever you're listening to help us share new British musical theatre with audiences all around the world. You can submit your new musical to be featured on the podcast at theotherpalace.co.uk. That's it from us. Join us next time for more Making, Making a, a musical, musical, the future, future of, of British, British musical, musical theatre. theatre.